The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And I have Nick Griner here with GrinerHealthSolutions.com. And Nick is a big fan of one meal a day. He does it himself. And so today our title is One Meal a Day, the One Meal a Day Metabolic Reset Episode. So we're super excited to have you on. Nick, tell listeners a little bit about you and what kind of knowledge you have in the intermittent fasting field. Well, first, I want to thank you for having me. It's an honor. And I was looking forward to this for such a long time. But um, this topic specifically for me, at least anyway, something I would say I'm probably most passionate about. Um, a little bit of history, I guess, and how I got into this. My, um, my background is in exercise physiology and nutrition. And got my, getting my doctorate in 2007, what I wanted to do was practice, you know, we call it lifestyle medicine or, or concierge medicine. And one of the things about what I realized about food was, you know, you want to be eating the right types of foods, of course, but how about meal frequency? And somebody had turned me on to the idea of intermittent fasting probably about 15 or so years ago. And from that point, on, I remember it was a Sunday evening. And that night I read for probably three and a half hours, four hours on intermittent fasting. I was on Mark Sisson's website. I was kind of bouncing from place to place and just reading about it. And to me, it was unbelievable because I come from a background um, in my 20s. I was a competitive bodybuilder. I'm, I'm almost 44 years old. So it's been about 20 years. And, you know, I was a big seven meal a day guy. And I did that for the longest time. But when you start reading a little bit about what intermittent fasting is, the hormones, and, and uh, when you close that eating window, all these amazing things start happening. So I incorporated myself and then with patients, and from that point on, you just start seeing all these amazing things happen. You know, for me, body composition changes, you know, health markers improve. And you realize that for the great majority of the population, this is something that could work for them. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And so for you, when did you start doing one meal a day? And how often would you say you do one meal a day every day? Would you say six out of seven days a week? What about when you go on vacation? Yeah, good questions. I, um, I started intermittent fasting, like I said, probably 12-ish years ago. And I started with 16-8, you know, the 16-hour fasting window and eight-hour eating window. What that looked like for me was I was eating at noon for and about 7 or 8 p.m. That was my, my window. And <clears throat> you learn, you know, how your body feels, how, how it's working for you. And then I just, over the years, kind of slowly closed it. And I did the 16-8 for a long time. Then I did the 24, um, the 20-hour fast, four-hour eating window. And typically the 20, um, or excuse me, the four-hour eating window was usually only one meal anyway. You know, I had a hard time getting two meals in a four-hour window. And then it kind of evolved from that. Now, I was on um, strict one meal a day for probably three years. But as with everything, you know, context, um, I would say I'm one meal a day, five, six days a week. And the other, the other two days, um, honestly, it depends. So what I've been tinkering with for the past few months is I'll do one meal a day, five, six days a week. If I'm doing it five, maybe... On day six, I'll do a 16-8. And maybe on day seven, I'll do kind of three meals throughout the day. I'll spread it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I people- like that because that could be like Monday through Friday. You could just say, look, I'm just eating one meal a day, Monday through Friday, Saturday, I'm eating two meals. And then Sunday I'm having three, three full meals that day. Right. And honestly, I feel like um, some people call that the five, two, two. Um, and, and I do like it. And I think depending on the person, it can work well. Now me or anybody else, um, who maybe is very, very active, who trains a lot, um, you know, you, you have to tinker with that. But one of the things I can tell you personally is that since I've been doing not so strict tw- uh, one meal a day where I've been doing kind of the five, two, um, most of the time when I'm, st- when I, when I do that, I, I end up losing a little bit more weight than when I strict stick strictly to the 24 or uh, the one meal a day. And there's something to be said about that. You know, um, people talk a lot about adaptive thermogenesis. If you eat too much in a calorie deficit too often, your body will adjust and, you know, things kind of slow down a little bit. And I know a lot of people that um, they don't eat enough too. You know, that's definitely something that I don't see as often as people eating too much. Um, but that is a thing. I, and I, and I, once I'll be honest with you, when I was doing one meal a day, I had some people saying to me, you know, for as often as you train for the things that you're doing, is that enough food? They, sh- they told me you should probably track what you're eating. You know, tracking hunger, I feel is a great idea. I feel like tracking hunger, in my opinion, is better than tracking calories or macros. Um, but I started tracking my, my calories. And I'm telling you, on a regular basis, I was getting 1700 calories a day, 1800 calories a day. And that just isn't enough for me and what I do. So that's why I started incorporating, excuse me, the 522 and noticed I had more energy. Um, I was actually leaning out even more so. But one thing that I, that I will say, and I guess if we get into maybe contraindications to fasting, that I noticed when I was doing the strict one meal a day, and I did that for such a long time, was um, a little bit of a negative that I, I that I got was I was having like these odd muscle fasciculations. I was having these twitches twitches in my in my calves, and I thought, you know, is this a mineral thing? And you know, I was adding more salt. I was doing potassium, magnesium, and um, it helped a little bit. But I'm telling you, when I ate more food, it went away. I haven't had it in a long time, so um, that's kind of how I'm doing it right now, and it's working for me. Yeah. And so talk about when you would work out. Cause a lot of people, you know, think, okay, if I'm going to just eat one meal a day, then when am I going to work out? What's the right time to work out? So for me personally, I like to work out in the morning. I'm a morning person. If you don't get me to work out in the morning, you might as well forget it. Cause I'm not working out at night. I'm too tired by the end yes. of the night. So I work out and I'm doing heavy weights in the morning and I'm, you know, right now I'm just for this last three weeks, I'm just eating one meal a day. Yes. So I'm not eating. I usually am eating around five o'clock because by five, I'm really hungry. And so at five o'clock I'm eating and then I'm waking up in the morning, going to the gym at either five or 6 a.m. the next morning. So yeah. talk about the workout schedule. And, you know, people say, well, if you aren't eating after you're working out, then you might be destroying muscle. Talk about that. So first, I, I, I am definitely a fan of um, earlier time-restricted feeding than later time-restricted feeding. And I know that that's not practical for a lot of people. You know, it, for me, for the longest time, I said to myself, you know, when I'm done with my day, if I come home, if my meal, my meal was typically at 6 o'clock, 6, 6.30. My thing was I didn't want to eat past 7, 7 p.m. But if you – and I follow a lot of very smart people, and um, it seems that if it's practical for you – and it is in my case, 
that if you eat earlier, it's a little bit more beneficial. And I can tell you again, just my own, my own anecdote, the, the, the earlier I ate my meal, the, the better it was for me overall. So, but as far as the workout window, and I think about what they call the anabolic window, I think that that is a lot larger than people think. You know, um, a lot of people used to say, once you're done training, you got to rush, you know, you got to pound the protein shake, you got to speed home to get, to get the meal in. I think that we were given a little, little leeway on that. Some people say up to four hours, I'll buy that. Um, but you do have to refuel for sure. You don't want to be breaking down lean tissue. That's, that's, that's obviously counterproductive. But typically what I do, um, so I do resistance training. I'll do a combination of weights. I'll go to the gym or I'll do body weight stuff. But I also train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I do that four to five times a week. And I always, always, always train fasted. Um, I experimented with eating, trying to eat a little bit something before I train, whether it was weights or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it's just the idea for me, maybe it's a mental thing. Having food in my stomach when I'm trying to train, it just doesn't work for me. So I train about midday, except on the weekends, it's earlier in the day. So I would say if I'm OMAD or excuse me, one meal a day, if I'm one meal a day, my meal is about 3 p.m. That's my one meal. And if I'm doing, you know, the, the 16, eight, obviously it's, it's pushed back a little bit, but I like to give myself really no, no longer than two to three hours after I train to make sure that I eat. That's kind of my rule on that one. Cause you, like you said, if you go too long, then you're breaking down lean tissue. What, what's, what's the point of that? Hey guys, I want you to know what I've been doing for my health that is absolutely transforming it. I'm taking massive amounts of vitamin C. Now, it's not just the regular vitamin C. This is 100% natural and it only contains natural sources, whole foods like amla berry, camu camu berry, uh, cherry. So it's literally just ground up fruits and massive amounts and it delivers 750% of your daily recommended vitamin C. So I literally double it and I have just seen so many benefits. So go to ChantelRayWay.com slash vitamin C to get yours today. Got it. Yeah. And what about people who maybe say, okay, I'm going to have one meal a day. Uh, I've seen people who say, okay, I'm having one meal a day, but I'm going to have a protein shake after I work out. So I'm basically having one meal and then a small protein shake, you know, after I work out. I think that that's perfectly fine, to be honest. You know, um, again, if the point, you know, what's interesting about intermittent fasting is um, there are a lot of benefits to it. And I think that sometimes people can, can run away with a, lot, with a lot of these things, you know, like uh, autophagy. People talk a lot about autophagy. And when you go extended periods of time without food, that ramps up autophagy or, you know, our cellular cleaning process. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, exercise can do that. You know, you don't have to stop eating to, quote unquote, ramp up autophagy. You could eat a decreased calorie diet and not intermittent fast, you know, sleeping well. So we want to make sure that we're being accurate here, you know, when we talk about autophagy and the reasons why that we're, we're, we're restricting our, our eating window. Now, I think for, for things like insulin sensitivity, um, for, for things like hormones like ghrelin and insulin, I think these are all positive things that, that come along with intermittent fasting. But if, you've, if you haven't eaten in 13 or 14 hours and you train and you have a protein shake shortly thereafter, it's certainly not going to be a hindrance to you. And I find no problem with that at all. 
Now, I know that you, on your website, you had said that you had suffered from some severe digestive issues, and that's kind of what brought you into this functional medicine route. Talk a little bit about your own personal issues and what you did to kind of heal some of your digestive issues. Sure. So long story short, I, I, I basically, I remember when I was in undergraduate school, I, I always I carried around a gallon of milk with me everywhere that I went because I had terrible, terrible reflux. And looking back, I didn't eat well, you know, and I, I didn't know any better. I just, I ate what they served in, in, in school. And that kind of continued on and it improved a little bit into my, into my twenties. You know, when I, like I told you, when I was bodybuilding, my bodybuilding diet, when I was cutting for a show was basically, you know, chicken, rice, and broccoli. I ate that seven times a day. So it improved a little bit, but even into my 30s, uh, my early 30s, I was still dealing with some of these things. I, I feel very fortunate that um, I was kind of led where I was, and I, I learned a lot of, or at least I was set on the path early, you know, in my career in school. And uh, I feel very fortunate with, about that. But you start reading about things like the ketogenic diet, the paleo diet, and you read success stories about people with a reflux or, you know, their, their GI issues and how they're improved. So I, I, I switched to a low carb and I went, I was, like I said, back and forth, keto, low carb. And those things seem to improve it. Um, I saw my skin improve. I never really had issues with that severe issues, but I saw minor improvements with my skin. But I'll tell you what, about three years ago, um, I got on Twitter and one of the very first people that I followed was Sean Baker. And I, he was talking about the carnivore diet. And then you start reading about other people that have tried it and all the benefits that they had. And at this point, even on a ketogenic diet, a very strict ketogenic diet or a paleo diet, I was, I was, I'm always, I will say, I'm, I, even if I ate more carbohydrates, I was always, I, I never really ate any grain, <clears throat> excuse me. So I started a carnivore diet, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in a week, those remaining GI issues were gone completely in one week. Wow. And I stayed on the carnivore diet strict for about 15 months. And then I started introducing some things back. Now I'm pretty much, I still eat, I still eat plenty of meats, you know, um, but I have introduced back things like avocado. I can eat artichoke, zucchini, cucumber, mushrooms, things like that. But pretty much anything else, cruciferous vegetables, nightshades, um, does me terrible, does me terrible. So that's kind of, you know, my, my transition there. But for me with the GI stuff that I had going on, carnivore diet was the thing that did it for me. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk a little, I saw on your website that you help work with people who have autoimmune issues. And I know we have a lot of people listening on our podcast that have autoimmune issues. So talk about how intermittent fasting helps autoimmune issues and what are some of the things that other things you can do to really heal those white blood cells and get your immune system back on track. So I think that if, if there's a hierarchy and, and let me tell you my thoughts on health in general, I don't think, you know, and I guess in our, our, our business, you know, you run into a lot of hyperbole, you know, and everybody wants one thing to be the cause of everything and one thing to be the cure of everything. And nutrition is a very attractive topic. Um, it's a very important topic. And I understand why people are, are you know, why they like it. It's interesting. but Nutrition, in my opinion, is only a piece of the pie, right? 
but in the hierarchy, we always like to start there. You know, we, okay, so let's look at your lifestyle. You know, our first, our first consultation with anybody we sit down with is about two and a half hours. We look at everything. We ask them everything from, you know, um, what do you eat? to how many amalgam fillings do you have in your mouth? You know, how much mercury, how many mercury fillings do you have? I just got my, I had one, I had two little ones and I got them taken out. So perfect. That a girl, that's perfect. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, so maybe in a case, that's what we're talking about. So Hey guys, I don't know about you, but if you are just feeling so tired throughout the day and just feeling restless at night, then I want you to try something called Energy Bits. Each package is has spirulina or chlorella algae. They're plant-based and they have zero sugar, 40 nutrients, five grams of protein. And so you are gonna feel great taking them. So go to energybits.com and then you'll get 20% off if you put the promo code Chantel. That's C-H-A-N-T-E-L. We look at, we go through the process. You know, when we sit down with somebody on day one, we're not telling them, okay, change, you know, change this with your food. Go make it, make an appointment with a biological dentist and have your amalgams removed. You know, change all of your cleaning products at your house, you know, switch your toothpaste. You know, we're not doing that on day one. And the hierarchy, we always start with what they're eating first, right? Um, I I am a huge fan. You know, we have a saying that we do not guess, we test. Um, I am a fan of labs. You know, we, 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 we always make sure we're checking to see what's going on. So with that being said, we look at potential food issues first, right? See how they do with that. Then we look at potential, or excuse me, um, you know, other factors. What could you, you know, do you have amalgam fillings? Do you have co-infections? Do you have um, mold, right? So I, I was sat with a patient this morning. Um, he sat for treatment for an hour and a half with us. He he's had to build a new house because his, his workplace and his old home was so full of mold. He got extraordinarily sick. It infiltrated his lungs. He was in rough shape. So I think that my general answer is try to look at all the potential stressors because I believe in this day and age, there's not just one, right? Um, I grew up in an area and I still live in an area. I live right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where, you know, this is a big mill town. That's what this area was. Um, not so much anymore. But, you know, we have environmental things. We have what's going on in, our, in our, our air. I don't know we can control that. But we always look at, okay, let's, let's look at potential food sources. Great. Let's look at what you're putting on your skin. Let's address that. And I am more of a fan of removing things than I am of adding things. In other words, people, somebody, people call us all the time and they'll say, because we do um, chelation, their IV chelation for people who have high heavy metals. And we always test for this stuff. We don't ever guess. So people will say, hey, listen, you know, I want to come in. I want to do this IV chelation. And we'll sit down with them. And, do you have amalgam fillings in your mouth? Yes. Are you considering having them removed? Probably not. Well, then this isn't going to be any help. This isn't going to help you, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my, my point is I think that you have to address, if, if you can, right? So we have, a, we have a team of people, you know, MDs, we have DCs, we have NPs, we have RNs. We have a team of people that we can address a lot of these needs. So. I think again, this, this is a long-winded answer. I, you know, you have to address the potential stressors, but maybe not all at once. But we all we we start with food and we kind of go from there. So, what would be some symptoms if someone 
thinks there that mold might be a problem like is there a specific is there any mold companies that are like franchises that are all over that you would say I recommend you know getting this or how how would someone go about checking to see like that guy how did he know that he had mold in in the house like did you see mold in his gut or what was going on well for him specifically he had been to a lot he happens to be an md by the way and um, he was at, he started having symptoms, brain fog, very forgetful. As a matter of fact, when he first started coming to see us, he had to have his brother bring him because he couldn't remember how to get to our clinic, even though he had been there several times before. He just couldn't remember. He, and he lived close. Um, so he, ha- he had the symptoms of that. He had seen a bunch of doctors before he even came to see us. Matter of fact, he just came to us for treatment. Um, not, I mean, he knew going in, but when he, before he came to see us, what was going on. So he had been diagnosed with, with, with the labs and I think his home situation, and you can have your homes tested, um, to confirm that. But in his case, he noticed it in where he, or his, where he was practicing, like I said, this guy's a physician where he was practicing the building he was practicing in apparently, and I, I never saw the place had mold and also his home. So now he's kind of splitting time from Arizona and Pittsburgh here because he just feels better out there. Um, so he had typical symptoms, you know, brain fog, forgetfulness, chronic fatigue, thyroid issues that come along with that. Now that doesn't mean if somebody has those symptoms that they, that they necessarily have a mold issue in just his case that he, he, he did. So in my opinion, this day and age, I feel like the big ones that people really are talking about are infections, um, heavy metals, things like that, mold, co-infections and things like that. that Parasites. Yes. Yes. Things like that. So, you know, I tell people you can have your homes tested where you work test to see what it is, but you know, in some, in some cases, I'll be honest with you. Some people manage this stuff. Well, right. I have people that even with like Lyme disease, we see a lot of Lyme. Um, People can kind of manage it well with like their lifestyle. Some people need a little bit more than that, but um, in his case, yeah, it was, it was severe. And, And so what we're doing is we kind of changed with him. We changed what he was eating He's obviously doing the things that he he should be doing. He thinks he should be doing. He's he's building a new home. He moved. He's spending time out west, um, where he can get more sun. It's cleaner out there. And then you know he sees us for treatment um, to help him out. He's doing a lot better. It's just going to be a longer road for him. I don't know about you, but all my friends like to enjoy a nice glass of wine after a long, stressful day. But the problem is that all these wines have so many harmful chemicals like pesticides and way too much sugar. If you're going to drink wine, you should drink dry farm wines. Their wines are all natural and additive free, and they are tested for purity, sugar-free, and low alcohol. So you can have the great taste of good wine without all those extra chemicals. And as a special gift, if you sign up with our link at chantelrayway.com slash wine, you can get a bonus bottle of natural wine for just one penny. So have that extra bottle of wine for one penny. Go to chantelrayway.com slash wine or just click the show notes and you'll see the link right there. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about metabolic conditions where you've seen people who say, look, you know, I'm, I'm really stalled. You know, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm doing one meal a day. Maybe I'm checking how many calories I'm eating. I'm, you know, not overdoing it, but I'm still stalled and not losing weight. What are some tips that you have for people that you would say, 
these are some things that I've seen worked really well to kind of reset their metabolic state. Absolutely. So if we're, if we're under the assumption that somebody is stable and, you know, they don't have off the charts, blood glucose, fasting blood glucose and, or anything like that, there's no contraindication for them for maybe changing things up. Any, one of the biggest things that I, I have found that works typically well for people if they're on a stall, if, if they are in fact, you know, they're, they're, they're doing, they're sticking to their eating window, they're keeping every, their macros, their, their calories, um, where, where they should be. And, and as an aside real quick too, um, I'm not, I'm not a, um, I think that calories matter, right. But I think that controlling calories is happens easier when you're controlling hunger. You know, if you're eating foods that keep you satisfied longer, you're as a side effect, reducing calories. But, um, I'm not, I'm not somebody that thinks that calories are irrelevant. Um, but potentially introducing or changing things up, like in my case, so let's say, for example, somebody's on one meal a day and they've been doing that for a while, maybe let's say three or four months, and they lost, let's say 30 pounds in four months doing one meal a day. And all of a sudden it stops. And let's assume that they have more, more fat to lose. One of the things, if we're just talking about food that we like to do is have them eat more. We'll say, okay, take one day a week where you're eating three meals, two meals, three meals. Have, have, eat, just eat more food. And I think that we are talking, um, yeah, about adaptive thermogenesis. You know, if you go long enough in a deficit, in a severe deficit, your body will adapt to that. And it's because it's like a, it's like a thermostat. I, I believe that our bodies are more like thermostats than we are scales. Um, our hormones aren't, you know, our bodies are very smart and it's going to adapt to, you know, the stressors that we put on it. So that would be the first thing that I say. Now, second thing would possibly be, let's track and double check that you haven't, in fact, changed anything. A lot of times what happens is we, we call carb creep or maybe like fat creep. Um, I love those terms where people, they're doing really well, right? They're losing weight and they're, and they're doing really, really well. And occasionally, and, and I can only tell you this because we, we ask people sometimes to track, they'll start introducing a little bit more food. Usually it's carbohydrates. And because they are doing well, and I'll ask people, you know, when we look at these things, okay, so I see Mary over the past two weeks, you know, you've gone from about 20 grams of carbohydrates a day to about 80. And this is kind of where they're coming in. So that could be a potential issue. You know, people get comfortable, they're losing, they, you know, either subconsciously or not, that they're maybe just eating more food, typically it's carbohydrates, or even fat, you know, um, I had a woman, this happened last week, she, um, she stalled. And what happened was she, she was she started with no dairy, and she introduced dairy. And I asked her, did you, are you eating anything different? She said, yeah, I started eating dairy again, putting uh, cream in my coffee and I started eating cheese. And I said, okay, that's potentially why this is happening. What, you know, why did you do that? She said, well, because I was losing weight and I like cheese and, you know, I'm on a kind of a ketogenic diet, you know, and it's working well for me. So I said, okay, cut the cheese back out. And she started losing weight again. So sometimes it's just a matter of you're just carb or fat creep. But typically besides that, unless we're talking about something like, you know, um, thyroid disease or autoimmune thyroid, if there's something serious you know, going on, you know, I've seen people that, that don't eat for days that actually gain weight. I've seen a patient with Cushing syndrome, things like that. So there are pathologies that can do that. But in most cases, when people are losing routinely, 
and they kind of hit a wall, I tell them either to first things that these typically work, you know, well, eat more, take a day a week where you're eating more, or let's track and see if there's anything going on. Those typically 95% of people, it works well. Yeah. I love that idea. Cause I think it's funny. Cause I was thinking I had done like for a while ago, I had done a meal, one meal a day. And then I did one meal. I mean, one day where I did two meals a day. And then I did one meal where I had three meals a day. And then the day after I wasn't, I didn't see the scale move. I didn't see the scale move. The day that I ate three meals, the very next day I lost three pounds. And I was like, wow, it was something that kind of triggered it. So that kind of five day, one meal a day, then two meals. And then you know, eating three on that last day, I personally can say that really worked well for me. Yeah. And even one more thing I'm thinking about too, sometimes, and again, this is why I feel like it's important for, you know, for people to pay attention to these things. Sometimes, um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I am a fan. I realize it's not practical for everybody and I'm not, I'm not hard and fast about this, but I, I do think, and I've read enough. I'm obviously not an expert in circadian rhythms. I don't claim to be, um, but from what I've read, from what I understand, the early time restricted feeding, all things being considered, is a little bit more beneficial. So sometimes, if people do have an eater, a late, excuse me, a later window, we'll say, is it possible that you can move it back? You know, can you be done eating by three or four p.m. instead of eight p.m.? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not practical, and I get it. Um, like I said, we're not hard and fast about that, but sometimes that's something else too that helps. But you know what's interesting too? You mentioned the the, the three meal thing. So full transparency here, you know. My wife and I, we are on the straight and narrow with our nutrition 99% of the time, admittedly, you know, but we do take vacation meals. They are, they are very few and far in between, but I'll tell you this, if I eat something that I typically wouldn't eat, whether it's a lot of healthy food or food that I typically wouldn't eat, what's interesting is I'm always, two days later, I'm always, I'm always lighter. I'm always lighter. If I eat more, which again, it's, I'm lighter. I just, I'm just lighter. So um, it works. So true. It's so true. I just had a guy uh, who works with me and he just said this. He's like, you're not going to believe this. He's like, I was on a stall. He's like, last night I had a hankering. I can't remember, maybe five guys, burgers and fries. Uh He's like, I just had a hankering for it. He's like, I got on the scale the next day. He's like, I lost weight. And I've heard that so many times because it's like, you're clean, you're clean, you're clean, you're clean something happens to kind of shock your body. Yes. Um, they did that with us in bodybuilding too. They, they told us, you know, now they were, they were planned, you know, they, they were tracking our body fat and uh, you know, if everything was going well, the guy that I was working with said, Hey, listen, you know, take this Sunday. And he said, eat as much of, of what you want, of what you want the entire day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always lost. So one of the things I loved on your website is that you, you stayed on there. Autoimmune doesn't have disease, doesn't happen overnight. And it's the result of kind of years of emotional, physical, and chemical stress. So talk a little bit more about that. So like for me, I will say I still struggle with psoriasis. So I have a little bit of psoriasis here on my forehead. I have like two other spots. And it's funny because when I go on vacation, when we go to, if we go to Florida or we go to Miami, I'm getting, you know, a lot of sun and my psoriasis goes away. And mm-hmm. then I'll come back and I tell my husband, I'm like, I just cannot seem to beat my psoriasis. It's, it just is this kind of ebbs and flows. I get it. And then it goes away. And then I'll do an extended fast. Like if I do a five day fast, 
my skin looks like a baby's butt. I mean, it just looks so good and it's great, but it's, it's hard to be doing those kind of extended fasts all yes. the time. Yes. And then here lately, like I just got this huge rash underneath my armpit and it was just a big patch of psoriasis. And so talk a little bit about what, what do you think that is when it's kind of going, it's ebbs and flowing. Do you feel like it, it is just, you know, the emotional, physical, and chemical stress that's kind of people are bringing on. I think that's, I think that's it 100%, you know, and maybe, maybe it's one of those, maybe it's two, maybe it's all of those. But interestingly about the sun, whenever you had mentioned the, the patches, when I go to the beach, I notice that my nails grow faster. My hair grows faster. Um, I feel like one of the biggest the biggest lies we've been fed in healthcare is that the sun is harmful for us. I obviously, you know, I think that, you know, intermittent burning is, can be potentially harmful. Don't get me wrong. Um, but safe sun exposure is, is unbelievable. I believe it's one of the most, it's free. Um, I don't know where, where you are, where I am. I'm in Virginia beach. Virginia. Oh, okay. It's so cold I'm here right now. Yeah, it's like 28 here too. So I'm in Pittsburgh, right? And see, I mean, six months out of the year here, the sun is gone, right? If I, if I wake, I try to catch a, I try to catch a sunrise every morning Mm -hmm. you know, look at it. And when it's clear, so I get it, you know, it's tough to get good sunlight here. So the thing about it is the sun obviously is, a, is, is healing. Is it vitamin D or is it, you know, is it the spectrum? It, what, you know, what is it? And I think it's everything. So I think that that's a huge thing too, right? Uh, vitamin D, the proper types of rays that you want, um, obviously from the sun, but also too, as, as we're talking about this and I don't go, I don't know that this, re, you know, correlates to you know, skin stuff. I've read that it can be, but if we're, if we're assuming that our nutrition is on point, um, maybe there is, maybe there isn't a couple of things that's sneaking in that could be potentially affecting our skin. Like I, I know a few people that had some minor skin things going on, psoriasis, eczema, they went for full carnivore and it cleared it up. I don't know if that happens for everybody. Right. Um, but Maybe there are emotional things that going on that go on. It's like hives, you know. Um, people get stressed out; they can break out in hives. So maybe there's that involved too. Um, chemical stuff, you know, chemical exposure things. I know certain fragrances, um, topical things, creams can 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 do that too. So maybe there's that. Maybe we have to look at what we're putting on our skin. But also, blue light, fake light at night. So these glasses I have on, these are not prescription glasses. These are glasses for me to look at technology during the day. So at nighttime, when it turns night, um, I wear blue blocking glasses. The effect, one of the things I, I tell you more than anything the past maybe year or so, I've been, I've been following more people and reading more on is the effect of blue light at night, how it affects our circadian rhythms, our hormones, everything. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's really, really shocking to me that this is kind of like the first I'm hearing about this stuff. Nobody told me about this when I was younger. Right. So I think that that plays a role too. So I think to your point, and I think you said it best, I think it's a combination of all three, right? Physical, emotional, chemical. And I guess the real question is how do we identify it and how do we get rid of it? You know, mm -hmm. how do we know, you know, that's yeah. the million dollar question. Right. Absolutely. So I love yeah. it. Well, this has been so much fun. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Great. Thank you. So I am on twitter.com at Dr. N Griner. And um, that's the only social media that I'm on. 
And uh, also our website is grinderhealthsolutions.com. And there you can find information about what we do, about us, and uh, all kinds of good stuff on there. Awesome. And you guys stay with us. We'll have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.